Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Brian Berger, founder and CEO of menswear essentials brand, Mac Weldon. The brand is known for having great sweatpants, among other styles that seem made for working from home. So I wanted to ask Brian how he's taken advantage of the moment and what challenges he's experienced in the process. Hi, Brian. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being here. Tell me where you're calling from. I am uh, up. I live in the city, but uh, my family has a house up in Westchester. So we were fortunate enough to be able to escape here uh, around mid-March. And so it gives us a lot more space. I've got three kids doing school and you know everyone working so it's it's craziness but but having more space certainly helps absolutely is it week seven for you up in that house it is it's just insane to even say that but it is i mean there's all these milestones um you know that um you know we're hitting like first it was my wife's birthday then it was my son's birthday and now it's uh, going to be my middle son's birthday in, in May already. So it's just crazy. I mean, time is flying, but you know, it seems like it shouldn't be. Yes, I know. Like, what day is it? What's going on? But tell me about the business. Where? How are things going? Uh, is everyone? Are you talking with your team every day? Anyway, let's just talk. Start at the very, very beginning. Yeah. State of the business. Where are you? Yeah. So, I mean, continuity wise, um, you know, I think our business like ours is, um, you know, I, we were able to react to the moment in terms of getting people set up in their homework environments, um, you know, for success. Uh, most of our, um, most of our business is cloud-based. And so it's really a matter of just taking your laptop and, and, and sort of resituating yourself and adjusting to working from home. Uh, I think video conference has been an awesome tool. We've been able to execute um, you know, obviously lots of creative collaboration and even fittings, uh, this way. And so, you know, those are the things that we were most kind of apprehensive about, uh, because those are things that really require, you know, physical kind of connection, uh, everything else, you know, is, 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 is able to be done this way. And I think we've been able to adapt very, um, you know, very well to this in terms of the, the, uh, business performance in the business operations. Obviously, our business is virtual. Uh, we don't operate stores or have a ton of uh, third-party retail. So e-commerce is uh, fortunately a good place to be right now because it's the only way consumers can shop. Um, so we have that going for us. And, and in addition, after kind of an initial um, you know, significant dip uh, when this kind of all first started happening over the first couple of weeks of March, um, we have seen consumers uh, and consumer appetite for many of the products that we sell um, uh, grow, um, quite frankly. I mean, people are looking for, you know, uh, you know comfortable, uh, casual, active wear uh, product that uh, is more aligned with a work from home environment. So um, we have a lot of hero products in those categories. And so we've been able to benefit from that kind of initial, you know, kind of surge in demand uh, by consumers. And so, again, um, this is all very fluid. So for the moment, things are more good than bad. That's great. So one one physical store, is it no wholesale partners or do you have wholesale partners right now? It's, it's very, very limited. I mean, nothing sort of even, you know, it's all very uh, more kind of marketing purposes. We don't have any big department store deals or anything like that. So it's really mainly Hudson Yards is, is our main physical retail touch point. Oh, my gosh. We have to get there with Hudson Yards. I got to know how that's going. Are you on the yeah. floor of Discovery? We are. Yeah, we're one of the anchors there. Uh, I think we were the first um, 
kind of digitally native brands to commit and really bought into Related's vision there and um, really had a, uh, you know, high hopes for the store on, on a number of fronts. And, you know, again, up until this happened, it was really exceeding our expectations. Yes. Oh, good. I was going to yeah. ask because I was very, uh, I was planning to keep my eye on it because I know there were big promises in terms of foot traffic, and I was like, "Is that really going to happen?" But you, you were, you were pleased. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, uh, you know, tens of thousands of people coming in and out of there every day, and so you know, the numbers are big, um, you know, and you have this kind of unique mix of, you know, obviously tourists, local tourists, you know, people from the, you know, outside the city coming in. Um, and then you have, uh, obviously the community of commercial, uh, population there and tenants that are trafficking through and then residential and it's only growing. That whole area is, um, just from a density perspective between Hudson Yards phase one and two. And then I think Brookfield has a place that they're developing across the street. And so, um, I think our view is that, you know, this is going to be something that feels more like a marathon than a sprint in terms of, you know, it kind of really fulfilling its ultimate vision. But even in its current state, yeah. it, was, it was very, very successful for us. Awesome. Do you, did you look at it? It was more a marketing play with all the, all the people, all the eyes on it. Or can you tell me kind of what percentage of sales it was? Uh, it was making up before, before all this. It, it's still a small. I mean, our business, our e-com business is very significant. And so, you know, one store, you know, even... Yeah, you know, easy math. A thousand, a thousand, <laughs> a thousand square feet doing a thousand dollars a foot is, you know, is a million bucks a year. So, I think we're on right a relative on. basis, small, but the impact uh, very significant in terms of, you know, making impression on customers, on really sort of um, presenting the brand in a much more holistic, real life fashion. Um, you know, the kind of customers that we generate, customers who shop in store. Um, have about a 30% higher um, lifetime value than customers who only shop online. Um, you yeah. know, so so there's a lot of things that are objectively positive about it, um, in addition to just the subjective, like it's important for marketing and, and those kinds of things. Definitely. What are you seeing right now? What's happening with sweatpants? <laughs> Is that the A number one product right now? A lot of people are wearing sweatpants, that's for sure. Um, so sweats has been huge. I mean, our sweat, our, our A sweats, even before this were a hero product. And I, I mean that in every sense of the word and that, um, you know, for years, this has been on a, on not even a seasonal basis. It's like nine months a year, very, very strong, always a top seller for us, you know, accolades from, you know, any, everyone you want from GQ to men's health to, you know, um, you know, what have you. Um, yeah. and so that's been really successful. And then we have a shorts version of the product, which has also been really successful now as well. It's like a sweat short. Yeah. Hey, that yeah. sounds cute. Yeah. Yeah. They're awesome. <laughs> I did not know that. They're awesome. Great. Great. Well, that's good. And I want to circle back also, you said, uh, what was happening on zoom and what was happening digitally now, uh, how are fittings happening? Are, are people stepping in to be like a fit model? What, tell me about fittings. What did you mean? Fittings are, you know, well, fittings are fittings, um, you know, basically yeah. it's part of the product development process. And um, it's hard to do a fitting remotely because a lot of it is, you know, um, technical designers, you know, pinning and measuring and taping and, you know, I interacting with the model to get a sense for what the fit is and dialing in that fit. 
um, in the later stages of prototyping. And so, you know, doing it on Zoom is harder, is much harder. And it's important. It puts a little bit more pressure on the model to sort of help communicate what their experience is versus, you know, actually having somebody there to physically measure in the same way. Yes, that makes sense. What else are you doing uh, maybe remotely that are photo shoots being – Are you have you tried a face FaceTime, Facebook, I almost said FaceTime photo shoot? Are you doing any of that or are you able to complete – I don't know, have photo shoots? Are you on hold? Um, no, we um, – our still life photographer um, who's unre- unbelievable, um, he's the guy who shoots all the product for our websites and he does, you know, just pure product shots, you know, not on model – um, he has a studio in his house and so he is, uh, still able to shoot. Uh, otherwise we are accessing obviously a large catalog of, uh, assets that we have. Um, and it's forcing us to be, you know, more resourceful and more creative with the assets that we have. And so yet another, you know, kind of interesting benefit of this is, you know, when you have, you know, a, a photo shoot schedule and plan, and you are kind of allowing the people in your company who consume creative to have access to fresh creative on a regular basis, they're going to take yes. it. But if they don't, then you're having to be more resourceful with the resources and the assets that you have. And so we're excited to you know, really understand um, how we're able to get more juice out of the lemon and what that means for the overall economics, because these things cost a lot of money. Totally. So has it been a shift to kind of more lifestyle content? Maybe you're putting out playlists. Maybe you're putting out, I don't know, what, what's been the flip? Yeah. I mean, two things. One, all of our marketing messaging has been much more oriented towards where consumers are at right now. And so, you know, really focusing on products that are relevant, but also the tone and the messaging, it's, you know, less about kind of chest thumping and really highlighting technical features and more really talking about the product and why it's relevant to the current situation. Um, And then the other piece, just from a pure sort of uh, editorial kind of social media content, we've actually done some really cool things. Um, We have a series called uh, Weldon Warriors, which is really an opportunity for consumers to highlight people that they know who are uh, going above and beyond right now uh, and give them some recognition um, and, you know, we are, um, you know, uh, promoting that and really making a big deal about that, uh, to make sure that people who are, um, you know, uh, having an impact right now are getting some additional exposure and recognition for that. That's a, that, that, that's one example. We have another that's really all about highlighting some of the things that our employees are doing creatively during this time. We have one designer on our team, uh, one of our, uh, graphic designers who, has made these incredible screen prints um, that he's he's obviously screening onto Mac Weldon product just on his own. Uh, oh, and his cool. friends are lining up to pay him a lot of money to get product screen printed. And so nice. um, he's donating a percentage of the proceeds of, of those sales to um, you know relevant food banks and, and charities uh, locally here in New York. That's cool. So for your marketing, have you added any uh, anything or taken away any uh, – element of your marketing mix any channels have you maybe tried maybe an instagram live or a tiktok or um, anything outside of your comfort zone um no i mean we're really um there are there's a lot of opportunities there were initially a lot of opportunities uh, video was a channel that we were trying to scramble to test into i think a lot of the opportunity there uh in terms of 
you know, availability and, and so forth. I mean, some of that opportunity has gone away, uh, but we, our yeah. intention is to test it. Um, we dialed back some of our programs. Like we were pretty heavy um, satellite radio advertiser. And so we significantly reduced our spend there initially, but the channel continues to perform really well for us. And so we're going to slowly start scaling that back up. And then yeah. Facebook and Google and sort of the more programmatic channels, you know, we're looking at the ROI in real time. So we're going to, you know, scale those as, so long as they can continue to deliver efficient traffic. We're going to scale those accordingly. I was just going to ask about digital ad spend. Okay. There you have it. <laughs> I'm going to add like as an aside, less sort of ad spend channel mix uh, related, but we did do a uh, marketing campaign where we not only donated several types of masks to local area hospitals, but we also donated a significant amount of product um, that was out of season or, 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 or colors that were um, no longer live on the site to nice. local area hospitals um, that had a need for these products because so many of the medical staff and support staff in those hospitals were essentially working around the clock. Um, so we felt that that was a really relevant way for us to participate in what was going on. Uh, mm -hmm. And then we have a long-term partnership with uh, an organization in New York called the Good Plus Foundation, which helps families in need uh, across a range of areas. Um, uh, but they have a they had a launched a crisis fund when this happened, uh, which is just sort of people an opportunity for people to make cash donations. And so we highlighted that as well, so that consumer our consumers would have access to contribute to this kind of high value national uh, nonprofit that was uh, doing a lot to sort of help impact uh, families in need uh, during this time. Nice. So your customers, um, were they maybe asking for something like that? What have you been hearing from your customers that they are maybe want from you right now? I know a lot of brands actively reached out and said, what do you want to hear from us? Because it was so touchy for, especially at the very beginning to, yes, <laughs> put the wrong thing out there. It still is. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, it's hard. Um, but again, it's actually not that hard. Um, we always start with what would, what would we do? What, what, what do we think is right? Irrespective of whether or not it benefits us from a business perspective or a sales perspective as human beings and members of a community that cares more than just about how much money you're making. Well, what's the right thing to do? And what's the, what's the, what's the brand appropriate thing to do? It's not appropriate for Mac Weldon to say we're going to give away. 50% of every sale we make because we're a young growing company and we, we need to be viable. Like we can't, yeah. we can't give away half of our sales. Like that, that, that would be irresponsible of us to do, but there are a lot of things that we can do that are responsible and are um, right for us to do. So we spent a lot of time debating that, right? Yeah. It's not appropriate. If you have access to PPE to, um, say that you're only going to donate that PPP if you hit certain sales targets. You should be giving yes. that PPP away, right? Um, you're not making yep. any money off of it and it's, 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 it's doing harm sitting in your warehouse and not in a hospital. So like those kinds of things are just very sort of, they're common sense. I think sometimes people get caught up in the moment and try and get too cute with these things. Yeah. Customer and customers it's see that and you, and you can see, you know, in the press, you, you know, you know, I don't think, People have bad intentions, 
but you know, it, it does manifest itself that way sometimes. And it's hard to unwind once you do it. They should have just got some feedback on <laughs> from somebody before they hit play, um, for sure. Talk about let's talk about kind of disruptions in the company and how you've adjusted. Has this affected your uh, supply chain, your your materials, your factories, your distribution? Um, I'm sure shipping, um, but like even far out as far as um, obtaining materials, what's been going on there? Um, you know, we we are a business that operates. Uh, in a limited number of categories, and we tend to go very narrow and deep. So our inventory levels are usually pretty healthy across the products categories that matter. Um, so at a high level, we're good for a long, long while in terms of being able to fulfill the needs, just given the product that we have here today. In terms of the supply Great. chain, um, much of our core supply chain is up and running and functioning and We've received goods from China. We've received goods. We're receiving goods from Egypt. We're receiving goods from other parts of, of Asia where we produce things. Uh, and then there are other parts of our supply chain that are uh, currently closed. Uh, we produce some product in Peru um, where we have product that's finished and ready to ship. But, you know, the factory is shut down. Uh, um, yeah. So we're waiting on those things. Again, none of those things are sort of, you know, critical to our being able to deliver the business, but they are yep. so, some of that product is seasonal in nature. And so we are pushing to try and get it as soon as possible. In terms yeah, of local, in terms of fulfillment here, you know, fortunately our fulfillment center has remained open uh, despite, you know, higher absentee levels due to either people being scared to come to work uh, or people being impacted by, you know, illness. Um, yep. But you know, they remain open and productive and we are delivering uh, what I would say is a pretty high degree of customer service right now in terms of our ability to ship and fulfill orders. And that's obviously mission critical for us because if anything were to happen there, that would significantly adversely impact us. Yes. We talked a few weeks back about loyalty. What are you finding out about your customers, uh, your customer loyalty and uh, the importance of maybe having a loyalty program intact? I mean, I think a loyalty program is great for a whole bunch of reasons. I, I, I would say at a time like this, what matters is that your customers feel like you um, understand what's going on and that you're not sort of tone deaf and that you kind of appreciate that, you know, um, everybody is dealing with a lot of adversity right now. And so, um, you know, if you recognize that and you nod to that in certain ways in which you communicate with them. Um, I think that that is something that creates loyalty. I think the program that we did that I described earlier in the conversation, those are kinds of things that build customer equity um, outside of the sort of business relationship that you have with your customers. Yep. They want to know that the, the companies that they're engaging with and giving their money to and are loyal to you know, are also thinking about the world that they occupy, however that, whatever that means. Um, and so I think th those are all things that are really important and I think are showing up in terms of, you know, how people are engaging with that content that we're putting out there about these initiatives. You know, we see, we're seeing much, much higher engagement rates from our customer base on those things. Great. Did it just disrupt anything larger? Were you planning on it, maybe a drop or a collection or something that was going to launch and you're maybe holding it till fall or 
I don't when do you even hold things for <laughs> till next year? Yeah, yeah. We had, we had a very significant product launch scheduled for um for April. Um it was a it was it was a ten pole launch for us for this year, but you know, it's it's a it's a product that's much more relevant for a, a working guy, a guy going to the office than it is yeah, you know, hanging around the house. And so we elected to um, you know, push that launch off to a more appropriate time. Uh, and that's just like another thing. It's like, you know, I've gotten ads and emails uh, and I've seen things for companies promoting product. And I say like, you know, this, this just, it's just not useful right now. It's not efficient. And yep. I get why you're doing it, right? You got a business to run, but it's not helping my impression of you as a brand that you're marketing this type of product to me right now. So I think it's just common sense in a lot of ways. Don't put a bad taste in people's mouths. Yeah. Rule of thumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about um, what your uh, strategy, your approach to date in terms of fundraising has been. Uh, where are you now? Have you been? Yeah. So we've been sort of slow and steady. Um, you know, we um, have um, two really awesome private equity partners uh, in the business. Um, you know, it's it's not a... They're not VCs, they're consumer private equity funds. Uh, so there's a real alignment in terms of how we think about the business and what we think the opportunities are for growth. Um, and so, so yeah, so that's allowed us to, you know, continue to execute our plan, have thoughtful discussion around growth opportunities and have everyone be sort of on the same page in terms of what we're willing to accept, you know, from a economic perspective, right? Like, you know, how we think about profitability, how do we think about marketing relative to the overall business, um, yep. and those kinds of things. Totally. Have has have loans, grants, um, all government assistance um, come into play? Have you relied on that? Yeah, I mean the PPP conversation is uh, is an important one. I think um, you know um, the the uh, SBA and the the federal government. Um, you know they are kind of changing the rules in real time. So I think every business, as you see, and you read about Shake Shack and Ruth's Chris and whatever, every yes. business, uh, whether it's, you know, a Main Street business, uh, you know, a real true small business, uh, you know, up to us, up until a large corporation, everybody's having to be really thoughtful around necessity uh, and, you know, eligibility for, um for this money because you know obviously it's somewhat fluid right so you can qualify yes. you could get yourself there one day but then the next day it changes and so you have to kind of rethink um you know whether or not it's relevant so so we like everybody else is you know are kind of in that process right now great uh looking back kind of on expectations for 2020 uh versus what you're seeing now are you just have you kind of reforecasted um how would you describe kind of expectations versus reality? I mean, we're, into all of this? We're, 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 we are forecasting a range of scenarios. And I would say that we're taking it along with our board. We're looking at things on a, on a sort of two week incremental basis, uh, on a rolling basis, right? We're not making any predictions around what's going to happen in the fall because we don't know what's going to happen in the fall. We're going to do right. some scenario planning for the fall but we're not going to put a stake in the ground and say, this is where we're going to be. 
I mean, who's to say? And if you could go back and kind of get in front of this, is there something I'm hearing a lot of like diversifying again, the supply chain? Is there something you would have done to maybe better prepare yourself? Um, That's a good question. I don't, you know, our supply chain is diversified, you know, anyway, in that we, you know, it's helpful, especially if you're, you know, highly dependent on a product line or a product category that you have multiple sources of producing that on a, on a good day. Um, so over time, we've worked to try and create some redundancy there. It's not perfect, but, you know, I think in a, in a real crunch, we, we have optionality. Um, and our, you know, our business is e-com driven. I think what, what's nice, uh, what we've been able to do is react because we're a data driven company and because we have, because we have such close proximity to the data, we have been able to react to what's going on. And so if we see an opportunity in the advertising space, we can react to it. If we see, um, if we see something negative happening, we can pull back. So, so those are all things that, again, we have that on a good day. So I think this situation has heightened the scrutiny and the importance of being able to understand and have access to your data to make decisions, uh, in real time, especially during a you know, uh, a time when you want to make sure all your resources are being maximized. Yes. I, I'm hearing a lot of uh, direct-to-consumer brands are, uh, I guess, bouncing ideas off each other, having secret meetings we're not <laughs> invited to. But um, <laughs> do you have a crew? What's happening? It's so funny. Um, <laughs> CEOs meet all the time and don't invite the press to those meetings. So, so <laughs> yes, uh, we are all talking. Um, one of the nice things has been the community, um, the, the peer to peer community uh, across a range of levels, but I, you know, we, I have mine and uh, a bunch of us have been speaking uh, on a weekly basis to really kind of reflect on what's going on in our companies, uh, leadership challenges, topics of the day, whether that be advertising or PPP or how to deal with, um, you know, um, initially there was a lot of layoff, furlough kind of conversations, all that stuff. I mean, it's, you know, it's, um, you know, as CEOs and founders, we're, we're used to being alone in a lot of these hard decisions. But this is a particular case where we've all been able to come together and have more of an open dialogue with one another. And that's been that's been great. Great. Were, were your like furloughs what you would expect if you had any like the in-store folks or uh, what, what's going on with your staff? I mean, we have a pretty lean team uh, across the board. Um, you know, we're we're 40 Sub, slightly sub 40 people. So we don't really have a lot of fat in the company. Um, nice. and so our, our objective is to preserve and our team is awesome and we worked really hard to get everybody there. So I think, you know, <laughs> our, um, look, the situation may dictate, uh, or, or, or may, may force us to have to make some hard decisions as we go through this. But, you know, in the current state of things, we've been managed to preserve everybody's jobs and, that's been obviously really important and a big priority to us. But I know we all understand that um, that's something that can change very quickly. But our intention would be to continue to be honest and transparent with our team. Yes. Is the pressure on you to kind of keep your team motivated? And I'm sure you have enough stress on your own plate. <laughs> How do you see that? Or um, are they looking to you for that? Yeah, well, the pressure is always on. You, you have to be cheerleader in chief always. Um, and so now, yeah, it's a time when people are, you know, a lot of the people who work at our company and companies like ours, I mean, they haven't, they didn't really live through 2008. They didn't really, you know, uh, 
September 11th, 2008 um, market situation. Um, you know, there, there have been a lot of um, catastrophes that, you know, that have happened. But for many of the folks who work at our company, you know, this is the first really significant thing they've had to deal with as adults and professionals. And, and so, you know, I, part of it, part of the job is, you know, keeping everybody informed and making sure people feel like they have information and that there's a level of transparency, even if you don't have all the answers. Um, and I think that in and of itself provides a level of calm. Uh, and then the other piece is just highlighting the wins. I mean, there's been some awesome accomplishments uh, across our team right now during this last six or seven weeks. And so really celebrating those more than usual, right? Like, hey, guys, yeah. look, look what we did. Um, look at That's how we a win you're proud of. Look Go at ahead. how we pivoted. Look at, look at what we did. I was really proud of, um, you know, how we pulled, um, you know, that COVID campaign off. It, a lot of thought went into that. A lot of teams had to disrupt calendars for that. We had to forge partnerships with third parties to, to deliver the goods. Like there was a lot of stuff that had to happen in a two week period for that to be successful. And it was awesome. very successful. Good for you. Do you, do you have a, a secret work from home tip to stay Zen? Last question. Um, zen. <laughs> I know Zen is not something that I, I mean, I have three, I have three boys um, <laughs> and they're very active. Um, and then I have obviously the company. And so, I mean, for me, it's really making sure I'm working out at least four to five days a week. Um, you know, just a great time to, uh, you know, I, I don't mind being in this environment with my family, but it's great to also feel like physically you're uh, keeping up with whatever regimen you have. And and so so I do that. And that that is definitely a good time to kind of keep my head clear and kind of get set for what lies ahead in the day. Yes. Is there anything uh, publisher publications like Glossy are not in the know? Like we're we're totally missing the the point, or we're just we're not covering what we should be. Like, is there something we're not seeing as a DTC founder? No. I mean, I think everyone's doing their best to kind of hit all the points. Um, you know, uh, how companies are reacting and responding to this is a very interesting topic, and I think spending time on it is worthwhile. I think the the other interesting question I, I was on a webcast with Jamie Dimon, who's the chairman, uh, CEO of JP Morgan. And one of the things he said, which I thought was fascinating, uh, just one of the questions that he raised, which I thought was fascinating was he's really looking forward to asking his team, you know, Hey guys, we reacted so quickly, so nimbly, so effectively to respond to this crisis. Um, and many of the things we achieved on uh, under normal circumstances would take weeks, months, years. How do we incorporate the nimbleness and the entrepreneurship and the tenacity that we displayed during this time in our day-to-day -day normal state business? That That's a really interesting question. So yeah. I look forward to having that dialogue with our team. Yeah, maybe that's the takeaway. <laughs> the the positive thing we take away. We'll be more nimble. We'll be faster. We won't worry so much and stress us before we pull the trigger. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Brian, I'm going to steal your cheerleader in chief. I really like that. <laughs> <laughs> From one to another. It's anyway. all right. It's all right. You yeah. know? I'll, grant you, I'll, grant you a, I'll grant you a perpetual license for that. Woo! I probably stole it to some, somebody else. 
<laughs> highlight of the day. Awesome. Well, thanks for being my guest today. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. And I look forward to speaking to you soon. That's all for this episode, which was produced by Pierre Bienname. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Don't forget that we're offering Glossy Podcast listeners 20% off an annual Glossy Plus membership, giving you unlimited access to fashion and beauty stories. Use the code podcast at checkout. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week.